Welcome back, Creatures of the Night, to episode 69 of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Zeman, and I want to welcome you back to another week of talking Undertaker merchandise, memories, and more. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to this podcast and leave me a five-star rating and review. I am available on all podcast platforms. I am uh, available um, on Twitter at CollectUpDead and on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. And don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel at CollectingDeadMan where you'll find all of my watch-alongs, toy hunts, and unboxings over there as well. And now for some podcast news of the week. Uh, If you have not uh, realized already by the last couple of episodes that have dropped, uh, this podcast will now be moving to a bi-weekly schedule. I just think with uh, the Undertaker news, let the Undertaker news build up a little, let the action figure news build up a little, and let the weekly purchases build up a little before having a good episode every other week. So I've been testing it out uh, the last two weeks. It seems to have been going pretty good. Uh, So I just wanted to make the formal announcement on this episode that the Collecting Dead Man podcast will now be doing bi-weekly. But to give you enough Collecting Dead Man and Undertaker um, content in the meantime, uh, there will be watch-alongs dropping on non-episode weeks. Uh, As you saw last week, uh, we had two new watch-alongs drop. me and Keegan completed our look back at the Batista rivalry as we watched um, the Elimination Chamber from No Way Out 2008 and then TLC 2009. So we have finished off that rivalry and we are looking towards a new one as voted on by uh, Keegan's Twitter followers. It looks like we are going on to The Legend Killer. So it'll be Legend versus Legend Killer as we take a look back at the Undertaker's rivalry with Randy Orton. Uh, so that is next on the horizon. And also dropping last week was the next installment of the Gimmick Match Watch Along with Randy Turco. As you know, it was hotter than hell in July. And there's nothing better to take a look back than Undertaker's two victorious Infernal matches. Yes, he's 2-0 and in the Inferno match, both bouts against Kane. And uh, that was a uh, two great matches to look back at. And Randy is always one of my favorite guests to have on to do watch-alongs with. Uh, now, since uh, next week is a non-episode week, I will have watch-alongs dropping with Canaanite 10 uh, as we move towards the middle portion of 2001. Uh, We're getting into the invasion and uh, looking towards uh, SummerSlam and uh, beyond. So we are moving, we are chugging along in 2001, creeping up ever so closely on the infamous Chronic match. And uh, before you know it, we're going to be back into the Dead Man years. Uh, So that is what we have planned for now. Um, as I said, uh, Keegan's next rivalry watch-along will be with Randy Orton, uh, Canaanite 10. We are heading towards Invasion and Beyond, and the Collecting Dead Man podcast is now going to be bi-weekly 
with watch-alongs dropping uh, intermittently in between uh, content uh, episodes. So going to be plenty of content coming your way. It's just going to be more uh, spread out so it's not uh, all at one time. I hope my followers and my listeners uh, are okay with the change. I'm sure you all will stick around. And uh, there is, you know, nothing's really... Uh, we're not going anywhere, folks. Um, it's just the content is being spread out. And uh, speaking of content, we will jump right now into Tales from the Grave. We will talk about all the Undertaker news from the past weeks and any figure news and my top five list for the week. Tales from the Grave. So there has been plenty of Undertaker news in the last couple weeks or so. Uh, the biggest one is that The Undertaker started his One Dead Man show over SummerSlam weekend. Uh, Alex from Talking Taker gave me the rundown on uh, some of the things that were touched upon. Uh, the biggest thing coming out of there, it looks like he will be taking this on the road. So uh, it may be linked with WWE's pay-per-views. I think that probably will be the most, uh, probably the, the smartest decision I think they go with this. So that Undertaker and the WWE crew can always be close. Um, but it looks like he's taking this on tour, so hopefully it comes to uh, Florida uh, more uh, sooner than later, I would hope. I cannot wait to uh, get tickets to this show eventually. But it just feels like it's a very relaxed environment, him taking Q&A from the fans and him uh, just telling stories. And that sounds like it's uh, just a fun, relaxed environment. And I cannot wait to experience it for myself. Undertaker was, of course, backstage at SummerSlam. Uh, there's been photos circulating of him talking with Roman Reigns, uh, Jimmy Uso, Baron Corbin, uh, Brock Lesnar. Uh, so Undertaker catching up with some old friends and also always there to give advice for the next generation. Um, also, Undertaker was spotted at Ric Flair's last match front row next to Mick Foley and Bret Hart. Uh, so Undertaker uh, showing his support for Ric Flair uh, in Ric Flair's supposed last match. Uh, Undertaker looking concerned as I bet a lot of people were for Ric Flair's health. Um, and also um, just showing his support as he always has for Ric Flair. Um, Undertaker was asked about what he uh, wants to see from the new WWE. Uh, Sports Illustrated caught up with The Undertaker after his One Dead Man show to give an ask an interview and Undertaker, um, I'm sorry, ESPN, not Sports Illustrated. Uh, Just saying that um, he wants, he he can see bigger and better things happening for WWE uh, now that uh, Triple H is in charge. Uh, concerning WWE's direction without Vince McMahon, he tells ESPN that they're loosening the reins as what guys and uh, girls can say and do. Uh, he thinks that the product is going to become a little bit more aggressive and it's gonna, you're going to see that coming through in the creative process, especially with Triple H in charge of uh, creative and talent relations. 
on calling attention to blood. He says those things are going to help because WWE does it better than anybody else, that they don't throw things away. Uh, he says that a lot of people there know how to rein those things in and make it mean something instead of just doing it um, basically, you know, in every match or weekly. Uh, that they're actually gonna, it's gonna draw attention to. It's gonna mean something. And of course, uh, regarding Triple H in charge, he says he's brilliant. Uh, he says that Triple H does not get enough credit for his wrestling acumen that he's a huge asset to the development of a lot of guys, and he's a no-bullshit kind of guys. Um, he knows he's going to let you know what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong, and it's a uh, step in the right direction with Hunter. Uh, of course, this, his support is fully behind Triple H. As um, I talked about, I think, a few episodes ago when he, when he was uh, discussing Stephanie McMahon, in power, you know, he full he threw his support behind Stephanie before anybody else did. He publicly supported her, saying that uh, she's um, great for the business. He couldn't think of anybody else better to step in as interim chairwoman. Uh, of course, now that she is officially chairwoman, um, he's you know he fully supports her, and now he f he throws his support behind Triple H. You know, publicly supporting both of them. Uh, helps you know with the board of directors helps with the stock investors when you have somebody as a name as big as the undertaker coming out to support this new uh, direction that WWE is going towards you know it helps with um, it helps with the stability of the company moving forward but that um, that's with undertakers uh, thoughts on the new direction um, other Undertaker news, Andrade shared a photo of Undertaker backstage with him, uh, saying that he appreciates his kind words. That's after the Ric Flair's last match. And um, Mick Foley uh, talking, you know, squashing all the rumors about him being upset at the Hall of Fame speech, saying that um, he, you know, Undertaker's speech was great. Uh, he never expected to be mentioned. He uh, thinks people blew out of proportion, and that Undertaker is a huge part of his career and a huge part of his own A and E biography. Saying that Undertaker specifically wanted to be a part of it and had the A and E crew come out to Texas so that he can uh, be a part of Mick Foley's uh, biography. Uh, saying that uh, off camera he says Mick Foley writes the best letters from Santa and he says that that means the most to him and he says that um, he will always he always gives me praise and that uh, is because of him that he has the uh, life he has now and that he doesn't expect you know anything else from the undertaker that he's already helped him so much and you know that just goes to sh you know what Undertaker has already said and what Foley has already said that a lot of people just blew this out of proportion, and it's to do with very little and it doesn't really mean anything. But he's just people tend to speak for others and it just blew it all out of proportion. But as we already know, what that is. But that is the Undertaker news for the last couple weeks. Um, uh, Undertaker, of course, relevant as always, 
and um, a lot of good news coming out of the uh, changes in WWE and Undertaker fully behind it, fully supporting Triple H and Stephanie. And um, of course, that one dead man show. I'm uh, really looking forward to the future of that and see where Undertaker takes it. Um, but Undertaker figure news. Uh, nothing since San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, just we're getting the, the Superstars is up for pre-order at Walmart. The three-pack for Raw is on pre-order at Target. And that and the uh, the Greatest Hits figure is on pre-order at Ringside Collectibles and Wrestling uh, Figure Shop. So that is the Undertaker figure news. Nothing really new, but we'll take it. And now we move on to my top five of the week. Um, continuing with the top five trends, um, as I like to reserve the top tens for something major or a major milestone or major things I'm thinking of. But since we are just coming off SummerSlam weekend last week, um, and I didn't get a chance to do this uh, last time on last episode, I'm going to run down my top five favorite Undertaker SummerSlam matches. Now, Undertaker has uh, the uh, record of 10, uh, 5, and 1 at SummerSlam, raking in 16 matches altogether. I believe he has the most victories and one or two most appearances at the event. Uh, so coming up, so I split up his, uh, basically split his wins in half and decided to go with a top five list. So coming in at number five are my top five favorite Undertaker SummerSlam matches. Uh, number five for me is at SummerSlam 2002 Undertaker versus Test. I believe that this is a very underrated Undertaker match. A very underrated Undertaker SummerSlam match, and just a very underrated match on the SummerSlam card of 2002. That pay-per-view was absolutely stacked, and the Undertaker Test match is—it's one of my favorite matches to watch back on this card, and of Undertaker's 2002 year as well. Undertaker had a great 2002. I enjoy his big evil uh, heel work as heel champion. And then coming off as a babyface to face the Un-Americans and Brock Lesnar. Uh, so he has a great 2002, and this test match is uh, no no different from anything else in this year. Very underrated, and if you have time to go back and check this one out, I definitely highly recommend it. Uh, SummerSlam 2002, the whole pay-per-view is um, just a great uh, rewatch. From the Brock Lesnar vs. Rock Championship match to the Shawn Michaels return match against Triple H. Uh, it's just a fun pay-per-view and Undertaker and Test adds to it. Uh, and that plus that iconic image of the end of Undertaker holding up the American flag. You know, that's, you know, that's always my go-to July 4th post. So coming in at number 5 is SummerSlam 2002 Undertaker vs. Test. And coming in at number four is Undertaker's most recent SummerSlam appearance, SummerSlam 2015, Undertaker vs. Brock Lesnar, 
where the Undertaker finally slays the beast. Although a bit of a controversy at the end, um, I feel like they played it off well. Having Brock some, uh, finally pass out to the Hell's Gate. Um, you know, I, I wish they would have done a more cleaner victory for The Undertaker. Uh, but still, uh, he slays the Beast. He gets revenge for the streak. And revenge for basically all of 2002 and 2003. Undertaker finally puts Brock down. And uh, just a great showing of Undertaker in 2015. Undertaker, again, much like 2002, Undertaker has a great 2015. A underrated WrestleMania match against uh, Bray Wyatt. Um, a remarkable uh, SummerSlam match and Hell in a Cell match against Brock Lesnar. And a very underrated uh, Survivor Series showing with Kane against the Wyatt family. I love Undertaker's 2015 return. Uh, such a great year for him, um, and that's why SummerSlam 2015, uh, that highly anticipated uh, battle of The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar, um, the Phenom versus the Beast, uh, that comes in at number four on my list. Now coming in at number three is The Undertaker versus Stone Cold, Highway to Hell. At SummerSlam 1998. Oh, to be there and relive this live, in person, I wish I could. Uh, from Undertaker coming through the gates of hell at SummerSlam, that entrance. Uh, and just two uh, white-hot baby faces going at it at Madison Square Garden. Undertaker's leap of faith from the turnbuckle to the Spanish announce table. Um, just... Brawlers, grapplers, going at it. Um, it's just a, a a great. It's not a um, a five star classic, but it's a great match to rewatch. I love SummerSlam '98 as a whole, much like SummerSlam uh, 2002. Um, I love the Highway to Hell encounter with Stone Cold Steve Austin. One of his best encounters with him. Um, uh, of course, I said one of my favorite encounters is the um, the cold day in hell where Undertaker battled him for the championship and in your house. I uh, love their 2001 encounters, uh, but Highway to Hell cannot be forgotten. I love that match, and um, that's why it comes in at number three. So we are down to the final two SummerSlam matches. I know you know which one is coming in at number one, as I've talked about it many times on this podcast. But what do you think is coming in at number two? Well, ladies and gentlemen, creatures of the night, coming in at number two is SummerSlam 1997, The Undertaker versus Bret the Hitman Hart with Shawn Michaels as the special guest referee. Now this one, this match is the Kickstarter for the infamous Undertaker-Shawn Michaels uh, rivalry uh, that will give us eventually Hell in the Cell. Um, and just Undertaker and Bret Hart work so well together. Undertaker breaking out of the sharpshooter, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels wanting the Undertaker to win so badly because he hates Bret Hart so much. Uh, he doesn't want to count the three for Hart, but of course that infamous chair shot the one swinging for Bret Hart but hits the Undertaker instead and of course Michaels is compelled to count the three count 
Um, of course, you have Undertaker and Bret Hart. Such great chemistry throughout the whole entire match. Um, yeah, it's just a, a all-around uh, good match. An all-around fun match. Just to re-watch. Because you know, you know how the ending is. Everybody knows that ending. Um, and it's just, just that poster of heart and soul. And Undertaker and Shawn Michaels' rivalry that we get out of it. Um, it's a match that I have not re-watched uh, in about a couple years, I think. So it's definitely worth a rewatch for me. Uh, but I definitely remember bits and pieces off the top of my head. And of course, it is synonymous with being one of the best matches, um, of course, of 97. And um, between Undertaker and Bret Hart, of course, two of the best to ever do it. Uh, so that is why coming in at number two is Undertaker versus Bret Hart at SummerSlam 1997. Now that brings us to number one. And number one is, of course, to no surprise, Undertaker versus Edge, Hell in the Cell, SummerSlam 2008. Now you've heard me do watch-alongs of this match. You've heard me go through this match on men- multiple podcast episodes of favorite Hell in the Cell matches, favorite Undertaker rivalry matches, favorite um, you know all-around um, matches in general of the Undertaker. This match is Chef's Kiss of how to end a rivalry. Much like Undertaker ending his rivalry with Randy Orton in 2005 in Hell in a Cell, Undertaker does it again in masterclass fashion against Edge here in 2008 at SummerSlam. He gives Edge a taste of his medicine of everything that was thrown out to him in the past year or so. He puts an Edge through multiple tables as Undertaker went through them at one night stand. He gives him a spear, he hits him with a camera, much like he was hit with at Survivor Series 2007. He gives Edge a concerto as he was hit with on multiple Smackdowns. He just gives Edge a taste of his own medicine. And as a fan, you just couldn't wait to see it. You saw the hell that Undertaker was put through by Vicky, by Edge, and the whole La Familia since early 2007. You saw what he he's gone through. You you knew that Edge needed to be put in his place, and there was no better place for Edge than right through the canvas, right down to hell. And the Undertaker delivered that parting shot, that parting image of standing over that uh, the opened ring as the flames shot up, and you can you. You, for a brief second, you've suspended your disbelief, you've suspended your imagination, and you actually believed that Edge could actually have been sent straight to hell, courtesy of The Undertaker. And that is why, coming in at number one, it's Undertaker vs. Edge, SummerSlam 2008, Inside Hell in a Cell. And that is my top five favorite SummerSlam matches of The Undertaker. And uh, number five, of course, 2002 versus uh, Test. Number four, uh, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar, 2015. Number three, Undertaker versus Stone Cold, 1998. Number two, Undertaker versus Bret Hart, 1997. And number one, Undertaker versus Edge, 2008. 
just missing the cutoff was Undertaker versus Randy Orton in 2005. I think that the uh, meeting in WrestleMania and also at Armageddon were just a tad better than the SummerSlam encounter. Um, and of course, Undertaker versus Kane in 2000. Although a great brawl fest, a great grudge match, by having it no clear winner and just basically a no contest, which gives Undertaker that 10, 5, and 1 record. Um, you know, Undertaker just basically trying to rip off Kane's mask. You know, it's a bit gimmicky. You know, I like the back and forth action, as you heard in my uh, most, and you heard in that watch along with Kane and I 10 uh, a couple months ago. It's a good match, but, you know, it's better than I thought it was, but it just didn't make my top five, because you've heard my top five, and those matches are better, in my opinion. Uh, but that is my list. I would love to know yours. Please make sure to comment on my Twitter post and Instagram post to see what your top five list is as well. Well, now we go on to weekly purchases where I dig up the dead man. Welcome to Weekly Purchases. Okay, Creatures of the Night, we have got plenty of weekly purchases to discuss. But before I get to my weekly purchases, just a quick shout out and thank you to uh, two of my uh, best friends um, that I have met through the podcasting world. Uh, one of them, Alex Dorio from Talking Taker, just wanted to um, give a quick shout out to him uh, for the generous things that he has sent my way. He has found me another Bend and Bash Undertaker, uh, a couple of Beast Mode Undertakers, and he was generous enough to pick up a couple things for he attended the One Dead Man show. And he picked up a um, One Dead Man Show hat and two Undertaker Hall of Fame pins. Um, so I could not thank you enough, Alex. I know you are listening. And I just wanted to give you a quick shout out at the beginning uh, for your generosity and for your friendship and for sending those things my way. And second of all, I want to uh, thank Canaanite10 uh, for he continues to show his generosity by sending me the Treacherous Trios 3-pack of uh, Randy Orton, Cowboy Bob Orton, and The Undertaker, the first Treacherous Trios to enter my collection, as they are incredibly uh, hard to find nowadays. Uh, I have the hardest time finding them, um, especially in good condition. Um, just people are not selling them for some reason anymore. Incredibly scarce. Uh, but that was very generous to show up from Canaanite 10. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to those two uh, uh, guys right at the top of weekly purchases as I could never thank them enough for their friendship and for their generosity. Okay, so jumping right into weekly purchases, I picked up a very interesting item. I think I talked about it on um, Buried Alive segment, if not a few months ago, it was probably a year now already. It is the WWF MGA headlight of The Undertaker. Um, this is a uh, Undertaker's head that has a keychain and a headlight um, in, built into it. 
So uh, quite the interesting odd piece to enter my collection. But you know how much I love those interesting odd pieces. Heck, I have a whole segment dedicated to Buried Alive talking about them. And I talk about how they usually will end up in my collection anyway. And this one definitely did. Uh, next up is the Danbury Mint plate of The Undertaker. I think I talked about a couple weeks ago. I picked up the Danbury Mint mug and said now I just needed the plate. Well, I found the plate still sealed in the styrofoam packaging and I said now that's the one I want, I want added to my collection. So that found its way into my collection this week. And capping off weekly purchases is a, uh, I talked about that bagged Series 6 Undertaker Bendum. Um, I think it was a few episodes ago. Talk about the scarcity and rarity of that being, you know, part of promotions. Well, I added the bagged Series 2 Bendum to my collection uh, with a similar story. It is uh, overstock Bendums being bagged and given out to retailers and small business shops as promotional items. Uh, for WWF pay-per-views, home videos, and other promotional tactics. So I love finding things like this. I love finding these bagged bendoms because it's you don't know how many there are in the world. And now I have a bagged Series 2 and a bagged Series 6. I, I do not know if there is a bagged Series 12 on Ministry Undertaker. Uh, but if the, he is out there, I hopefully I can stumble across him to complete the bagged Undertaker collection. But for now, to me, it is complete with these two. Uh, so another fun, interesting Bendum item that has been added to my collection. But that is it for this week's weekly purchases. Just a few fun things and some awesome, generous gifts from some great friends. But now we move on to Taker's Mark, where I talk about a favorite Undertaker match of the week. Taker's Mark. So we are just coming off SummerSlam as the WWE's last major pay-per-view event. And they are heading towards the Clash at the Castle which it will be the first major stadium event to take place in the UK since the 92 SummerSlam. Uh, now we know that they have been there for insurrections and rebellions. So I thought, you know what, it's only fitting to let's take a look back at The Undertaker's matches in these UK pay-per-views. So starting it off, we will be talking about the 92 SummerSlam. That, would, that was his last major stadium event to take place there. That was the last major stadium um, match for The Undertaker in the UK. Uh, of course, we will discuss the Rebellion matches and his Insurrection matches. Uh, so I thought it was only fitting to start it off with SummerSlam 92, where he faces off against Kamala. Now, we know Undertaker... Uh, in the early 90s, uh, was always stuck against facing these monsters, 
facing these wrestlers that, you know, couldn't give him these good matches. Uh, you know, he, he really didn't get up and going until he got Yokozuna and then probably didn't get, you know, the wheel spinning until he got uh, Bret Hart, Mankind, Diesel. Uh, you get um, all those are the ones in like the, the portions of 94, 95, 96. So early 90s, you know, you get the monsters, you get the King Kong Bundys, the Giant Gonzaleses, uh, the Kamalas, and here's where we are right now. Uh, you know, the match is bad when people only remember Undertaker's entrance, being led down the aisle by Paul Bearer and the urn. He is perched upon uh, a hearse in the back, um, you know, is driven by an actual Undertaker, um, and Undertaker, of course, in the back of the hearse, standing upon it as stoic as ever. And Mattel, if anybody is listening from Mattel, we definitely need a Reckon hearse vehicle. We know you're giving us a tractor with Brock Lesnar. Please give us a hearse with classic Undertaker. It is definitely much needed. Uh, but this matchup ends in disqualification due to the interference of Kim Chi on the behalf of Kamala. So Undertaker picks up, picks up the victory here. Uh, this leads us to a finality of the rivalry at the 1992 Survivor Series, where Undertaker introduces us to the coffin match, the predecessor to the casket match. The coffin match is simple uh, in its rules that you will win by pinfall and then place your opponent in the coffin to be nailed down for the victory. Uh, so quite the um, ambitious take on a um, victory for that coffin match, but nonetheless, it's the predecessor to the casket. And uh, that gives us the finality to the Kamala rivalry. Uh, but of course, before we get there, they are uh, they are pitted against each other at the 92 SummerSlam. Of course, I wish Undertaker would have gotten a better match here with such a big crowd, a big arena. Uh, I wish he would have gotten a, a better match, a better victory than a DQ victory. But nonetheless, this is uh, kicks off a look back at the Undertaker's uh, matches in the United Kingdom. Uh, starts it off with a 92 Summer uh, SummerSlam. And um, I thought this would just be a cool look back at these episodes leading up to that next uh, pay-per-view for the WWE to see how Undertaker feared, uh, how Undertaker feared, I should say, feared, feared, um, bit of a word salad there, in the UK where he is loved dearly. Uh, so now we move on to Buried Alive, my favorite and last segment of the episode. Yes, Buried Alive, that's where I talk about a weird or what-the-f piece of Undertaker merchandise. We talk about it, we discuss it, we say why it's terrible, we put it to the ash heap of Undertaker merchandise history, and we buried it alive. And this week is no different, Creatures of the Night. 
It comes to us from Jack Pacific, our old pal Jax, and even older friend, the Titantron Live. Yes, the Titantron Lives, we remember them dearly like a close personal friend that we just can't get rid of. Um, the Famous Scenes 2-pack, Famous Scenes Series 1, The Undertaker vs. Mankind, recreating the classic Hell in the Cell um, feud. From 1998, there is everything that could possibly wrong with this two-pack is wrong with this two-pack. Uh, instead of a 1998 Lord of Darkness Undertaker, we get a re-release of Titan Tron Live Series 5 Ministry of Darkness Unforgiven Undertaker. But it's not even a straight re-release, as we don't even get his entrance attire or entrance uh, plating. Uh, we just get a Bare Bones Titantron Live Series 5 Undertaker, um, which is not even close to the Lord of Darkness Undertaker that was in this rivalry feud. Um, but I digress on that. The Mankind is also completely wrong. We get like a mixture of Mankind and Dude Love. He is wearing an open white shirt vest thing and a tie-dye shirt underneath. Um, which is not even close to what he wore in this match. He wore the corporate Mankind shirt uh, with the black tie. Um, so it is just a mashup of eras and attires that these two didn't even wear in this match. Um, I can't believe this actually was put out and how terrible this is. Uh, I can't believe that they rehashed Titantron Live Series 5 Undertaker instead of giving us a Lord of Darkness. And I can't believe they put like a Dude Love mixed with Brown Pants Mankind and tried to pass it off as a Corporate Mankind. Well, they had an actual Corporate Mankind body from Titantron Live Series 1. Um, it's just... That's so Jax. I love Jax and I hate Jax, but because um, they seem to be on this list so often, um, you know, what can you do? You know, Jax gave me so many great years, and now looking at the product, I said, wow, I can't believe they put out such crap. And this is definitely on the ash heap of Undertaker uh, merchandise crap. Uh, the Famous Scenes Series 1. Much like the famous scene series 3 with Stone Cold Steve Austin, they can never get Undertaker right in this pack, I, I imagine. Um, it just deserves to be on the ash heap of Undertaker merchandise hell as we bury it alive uh, this week. So Creatures of the Night, that ends episode 69, dude, uh, of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you have done so, please leave me a five-star rating and review, and please subscribe to this podcast. You've listened to it this long. I imagine you've already subscribed. Um, wherever podcasts are found, and make sure to follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead and on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan, and make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Collecting Dead Man, and make sure to check out my watch-alongs and any other fun videos that may be coming your way. Of course, as we discussed at the beginning of this episode, this will now be a bi-weekly uh, podcast. 
and filling in for the content uh, that will be normally the episode other on the other weeks will be coming to you with watch alongs. So creatures of the night, I hope that uh, you have enjoyed this episode. I hope that you will stick with me as the podcast changes. And as always, I shall be with you next time on Same Taker Time, Same Taker Channel, as we keep on rolling, baby. Until next time. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Collecting Dead Man. Please continue to subscribe and leave us a five-star review where you can. Follow me on Twitter at Collect Up Dead and on Instagram at Collecting Dead Man. Check out my Linktree page so you can find the links to all my merchandise stores, where you can find wherever this podcast is available, and where you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the like button and subscribe there as well. Please continue to support this podcast in any way you can. And until next week, Creatures of the Night, keep on rolling.